Yeah. Well, you know what I was thinking about today, Jalen? Every time that I look at Kyrie and KD in um, in Brooklyn now, I just can't help but think about them as sort of um, like really trying to get back at the other stars that they were playing with. Um, <laughs> and so I just imagine this like ideal scenario for, for, for me as a basketball fan where somehow Steph ends up on the Lakers this year and it's LeBron and Steph oh. against KD and Kyrie. What, what, like, what can you Kyle? imagine the stories? Uh, you would... can't hate the you can't have to hate the Warriors in their KD version and then accept that in any form. Such a good story. I'm just gonna start going la 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 pretty soon if you keep talking about it. <laughs> Shot Tower, the Real NBA Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by Jalen, Kyle, and Michael. And today we have a very special guest, one of my favorite fantasy writers in all of the land, Stan Sun from the fantasy site Razball is here. Razball was one of the first fantasy sites I ever read, not just because they were free, but mostly because there was some really great writing at this site. It's full of voice, verve, fun, satire, jokes, as well as some really great fantasy content. It is where I first learned about benchmarks and sleepers and overdrafted players and value picks and all of that stuff. Um, it was a really great introduction to the fantasy game. I continue to read it because it continues to give really strong content that I'm just not finding at other sites. Even the places you pay for, there's going to be real, original, great content at Razball. And Stan, I just want to thank you for all that you do there. Um, I really love reading it. Yeah, what an introduction. I think we can end the pod now. It's over. The W's, the tenors. <laughs> All, right. All right, um, let's call it. That is the Shot Tower pod for this week. And we are cheers. turning off the phantom power right now. Oh, so that, that's that our, was, that's our that joke awesome. ending. Um, but so I want to get into a couple of uh pieces you've written uh lately um you know almost every site's going to do a ranking of players the top 150 however they're going to structure it um you have that top 150 um but one of the things i really liked this year um besides that top 50 and just the standard rankings that occur there you wrote a really great piece on rookies and drafting rookies into um fantasy leagues and that's whether it's a, a one-year league and this i think it especially holds true for the one-year leagues it also has some bearing on keeper leagues like our scorekeeper league that kyle and jalen and i play in um and i'm just going to call it a couple of things since 2000 so these are these are stand stats since 2000 only three rookies have finished in the top 20 only nine in the top 50 and only 44 in the top 100 that's the last 20 years just over two a year in the top 100 why are rookies so overdrafted people you know the allure of the unknown the hype right like when you don't know what the well you have a conception of what a person's ceiling is or their particular potential and you just kind of automatically gravitate towards that without kind of taking a step back, taking a deep breath, just being a little more realistic. It, you know, these guys are 19, 20 year old kids, right? They're yeah. And against grown men for the first time, you know, the speed of the game, you know, just, just spacing, just everything. 
you know, people forget that, right? Like, yeah, sure. So yeah, you know, the hype, the hype gets them. So how, what would, what would you be your advice to a new fantasy team manager? Stay away from the picks, let the other teams overdraft them. What would be the advice? Always look for value. Um, you know, when, when you're drafting, you don't want to draft for ceiling. Like you want, it's kind of like the stock market, right? Like you want to, you don't want to have, you know, an, an asset that's already priced perfection that has no room to go up. Uh, you want right. to get, you know, you want to buy them where, you know, you get them at the relative floor and then there's upside, you know, and then you can profit from that. So yeah, right. what, usually what happens with rookies is, you know, they get hyped up and then, you know, the market starts pricing them up to the point where they're pricing at their ceiling. So there's really no profit to be earned from that. Yeah, so, that's a that's a really good way of, of like uh, expressing that and like baking in some risk in drafting rookies. And I just want to get maybe more specific selfishly because um, I'm trying to get <laughs> tips for my for my team. But like I'm I'm wondering, like, if there are any rookies you think that might be worthwhile that could maybe crack the top 150 this year or even rookies whose like baseline outcome, sort of median outcome this year will might be able to help a team specifically, I guess, in like, you know, category leagues. I guess off the top of my head would probably LaMelo. Um, you know, he's going to kill you in, in percentages. Both of them. Yeah. Like, but I think as it's, as the season goes on, uh, he's going to get more minutes. And I mean, he assists, like assists are very valuable, especially down in that range. So, and he rebounds really, really well for a guard. So, you know, from that position, you're getting, you could get elite boards and dimes from that position. Um, you know, the only worry, I, I think he'll be able to steal. I'm not sure about the blocks, but, you know, if you can handle the percentage hit, um, he's probably the one that stands out to me. I think he's just, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Stan, but I wonder if he's just going to be drafted too high for his value ever to come through. Whereas I see someone like Killian Hayes, I mean, in Detroit, I mean, you know that Michael and I are Detroit fans. So I'm like concentrating on him, but he's also, he's going to have opportunity. And I think he's going to slip under some people's radars to the point where he might actually just be able to return on draft value a little bit more than um, LaMelo, who for all the reasons you were just mentioning before is just going to be hyped and people are going to be ready to just pour out money on him. Sure. No, that's a good, you know, it's a good thing. Like kind of what we were saying before, everything comes down to, to value, to price, right? That's whatever rookie veteran, it doesn't matter. It's all about price. So my one concern with Killian Hayes is that um, he's so left-handed dominant and he hasn't shown that he's able to go to the right. And I mean, you've already seen it in the preseason. So you know, yeah, those seven turnovers in that first game, yeah, uh, it looked it, a little questionable. Yeah, it's going to be really easy to figure out somebody who only has one move. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. You know, so like that's, I just feel like it's going to take some time to adjust from because I actually like him a lot as a player. I just feel like the ceiling for LaMelo is, is so much higher at, at this stage of the game. And, you know, I may be biased, right? Because I've watched a lot of Manel, Man, uh, excuse me, LaMelo because he was in Chino Hills, which is, which is, from where I'm at. So, you know, I've been watching him since, you know, he was a little pup. Uh, so, you know, that may be, you know, distorting my perception here, but I just feel like 
just his feel for the game right now and what he's able to do is on a different level than what Killian Hayes has right right now. Yeah, I yeah. can hear that. I mean, I was also wondering just if there were players who you thought might be slipping under people's radar. I mean, I know Philly is really, you know, they're bullish on Tyrese Maxey, but I don't think he's going to get the playing time. And, <laughs> and I'm kind of like trying to weigh that, like people with talent who might be valuable to teams this year relative to draft prices. Harry Giles, baby. I'm already trying to pump the brakes in my own <laughs> excitement on the Harry Giles train. He's looking good in preseason. I'm playing There's in another fantasy Harry league. Giles ex- excitement. Every yeah, year. I'm playing in a Harry dynasty Giles league. Well, I'm that playing was... in another dynasty league and I've already picked him up and I'm trying not to like get too too excited and mess up my draft. But I don't know. Harry Giles has looked good. He's an energy big. If he's healthy, I think he can do some things. But Again, you know, like we're saying, it's all about value. If everyone goes into the draft and we're all thinking the same thing and the price for Harry Giles goes up, then it's not worth it. But yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that that kind of leads to like a, like a complimentary point about all of this is in the same way that rookies are overdrafted, I find that second year players are underdrafted that um, people are too ready to give up on a player after one bad season and particularly for point guards um, their first season can you know be a tell about how you know even a bad first season can be a tell about how they will develop going forward Um, I can't even remember the exact article that it was you know like um, going maybe Michael will remember this but I I remember it was like 538 or one of these places um, did, did an article on how rookies who had tended to have a lot point guards, rookie point guards that tended to have a lot of turnovers um, ended up having, uh, you know, big jumps in their career arc going into year two. Um, because they basically just like they were they were out there learning the speed of the league, you know, learning the playbook, learning all these things. And when they came out in year two, um, you know, they were more primed and more ready to contribute. And like one of the probably the best value on my team right now, De'Aaron Fox, I got as part of that, like I got De'Aaron Fox for two dollars in his second year because people had kind of like given up on him. So it's kind of like, you know, Jalen, what you're trying to do with Harry Giles, you know, you're trying to like catch somebody who might just be, you know, getting on that upward curve, right, you know, but has been in a league for a little while and maybe slept on. Yeah, so Stan, let's let, let let me ask you for um, these sorts of picks, these breakout guys. Any second year, third year, fourth year guys you're looking at as 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 breakouts that seem partic- particularly possible to happen? I mean, there he is, Basley. <laughs> yeah, know, he's, he's going to get minutes. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's going to get opportunity. He showed what he could do in the bubble last year. Um, he's the one that that really stands out to me. Uh, trying to think right now. The guy we were talking about before the pod is Taylor Horton Tucker going to be uh, fantasy relevant this year? No, nah, he, he's not. He's not. Just because not enough minutes. He's getting minutes. Yeah. I mean, he'll probably get a little bit more just from, you know, what he's been able to show now, but he's not going to get more than 13 minutes, 12, 13 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The one consideration is the Lakers might have a lot of rest which could get him no, no, a little bit, little bit more, but um, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Yeah, another sure. another uh, guy maybe is Dante DiVincenzo, um, who yeah. 
essentially because of the botched Bogdanovich <laughs> right. have yeah. to play a pretty central role for them. Uh, another guy in Oklahoma City is Dort. I, I think Dort is scheduled to start, right? Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think, I think he's going to start. So. Yeah, yes. The, and the, I mean, three, that alone, yeah. that alone might be enough to like make him relevant, especially with like uh, the defensive upside he has. For, for sure. I mean, for me, you know, minutes are gold. So, you know, when I project and rank my, you know, the players before the season starts, like I basically just try to break down the rotations and just figure out, you know, how many minutes per game are, are you know, certain players going to get. So like back to, let's circle back to your Harry Giles. I love him, right? He's, you know, he was so hyped up when he was a young kid, just injuries, you know, befell him. But, you know, when I look at the rotation, like where are the minutes, like, where's he getting minutes? Like, yeah. yeah. Like I, I believe in the skill, but I, you know, unless an injury happens, I just don't see him cracking the rotation. Like, yeah, the only chance he has is if he overtakes um, Collins for the backup center role as the primary backup center, which seems quite unlikely to happen. But I think Collins is still dealing with an injury, so maybe right. he'll get a chance to do it. But yeah, I mean, it just I mean, Collins is coming up for an extension soon, so it's just it's probably unlikely for him. There was some suggestion. I think they got Enos Cantor, too. Yeah, oh, they have Cantor. There was true. some suggestion that his defense might place him ahead of Cantor. Mm, okay. I think I think Basketball Monster was trying to throw that one out there. Um, okay. Okay. It remains, I mean, remains that'd be great. Seen, yeah. But yeah. yeah, the problem is that um, Stotts plays a drop defense, which is like part of the reason right. why he's not Cantor in the first place. Is so, right. I mean, they're just, it doesn't matter if you're immobile. You know, they had Whiteside last year. They're just going to drop you. <laughs> true. <deep laughs> right, you exactly. Range, and then Cantor will That's just true. rebound the miss if you miss. True, true. What about, what, what do you guys think about PJ Washington? I like him. I like him a lot, and I love him at the five. Um, yeah. If that happens, I've watched a little of that, and it's really fun basketball. Like, that's a league pass team for me if PJ's at the five and Bridges is at the four. Yeah. Like, they're fun. With, with LaMelo. With, yeah. with LaMelo, with all of that. And as long yeah. as Rogier's on the bench in that, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because <laughs> I feel like I don't know how much of a difference this will make, but it does seem like P.J. Washington and Bridges should have some, like, cleaner looks and better opportunities with yeah. LaMelo, especially, I mean, I don't know what their pace number was last year, but I have to assume they're going to play faster this year with LaMelo. I mean, LaMelo's just, like, getting rebounds and throwing full court throwing passes. Yeah, yeah. Like, for sure. He's throwing them to Biombo. Like, you know, it's if you're down there, like these are basically post-up. These are like two second early entry post-ups that he's giving these guys. And I mean, what he had the he had the lob to Bridges the other night already. Like, I just think that like if he can play enough and if um, you know, if he's not making too many mistakes, I think those guys will see extra opportunities because of him being on the on the floor with them. One of the Agreed. first go ahead, Tom. Stan. No, no, I just saying agree. Yeah. yeah. So one of my first things that I learned from Rasball was about pace. And since you guys just brought it up, I'm going to bring it up again. There's a nice piece about pace there. Um, last year it was Bucks, Rockets, T-Wolves, Pels, Wiz. We're going to see a couple of different teams in that top five, top 10 mix this year. Charlotte could be one of them. Um, uh, Stan, who else do you see maybe uh, breaking that pace barrier? Uh, and, and, you know, so being uh, a target for fantasy players just because of that increased pace. Um, so new, you're talking about new teams that are going to enter? Yeah, so like, you know, we expect the Bucks to be there yeah, again. Yeah. Um, yeah. You okay, know, the Wiz so... will probably be there. But, you know, well, I don't know. The, the Pels were there last year, last year. Will Stan Van Gundy play that fast? I don't know. I don't think so. He's just has. meant to yeah. slow it down. <laughs> so, 
I think Brooklyn is going to probably be top three, right? So uh, nice, yeah, yes, and Kyrie, and so okay, you said Atlanta, um, Memphis. You well, said- I think Charlotte could be. There. I didn't say Memphis. Yeah, the Grizzlies yeah. could definitely be yeah. in there. So Charlotte was last, so they're definitely going to improve upon that. Yeah, um, are the Warriors uh, faster this year? I think so. I think they will be. Yeah, especially with Steph. Um, Phoenix may go up a little oh, bit. Yeah, Phoenix. I think they'll go down with Chris Paul. I really think do. so. Yeah, oh, okay. I mean, I I just I thought that Ricky Rubio ran a pretty fast team last year, and I mean, yeah. I'd have to get the exact numbers out for this, but Chris Paul has tended to, um, yeah, run slower teams. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm I think you sure. said Washington, Michael, but obviously, anytime yeah. you add Russell Westbrook to the the roster, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. There is they're just going to be pushing the ball. Similarly, wouldn't Philly have to speed up? You know, given their changes, you know, I mean, Philly just wouldn't more sh- speed up. Right? Yeah, more <laughs> shooting on the court. You know, like moving Horford. Um, I, I expect them to get faster. And then okay. it's kind of like, then you're just like, you're looking at this as kind of like jockeying. It's like, if all these teams are getting faster, what teams are getting, you know, I are, mean, are dropping the, in those rankings. The Philly thing is interesting because I think of their fast breaks almost exclusively as Ben Simmons, like one man right. fast breaks. And like, I suppose that's all you need, but I don't think of them like, I mean, I don't know who's on the back of uh, Maxi and Shake Milton. I guess those guys can play the pace. I mean, Maxi's hella fast. Um, yeah. Milton, not as much, but. Maxi can fly but it's interesting like this is a semi-related point maybe there's nothing here but I've been listening to the dunked on pods and I feel like my my thoughts are that basically Nate Duncan expects like every like a lot of teams to be to be really good on offense and also a lot of teams to be like pretty average to below average on defense so it'll be interesting to see how that really shakes out like which of these teams really is um you know super potent on offense like you know, Atlanta made all those changes. Obviously, uh, Brooklyn has the two stars. Like, if they're both healthy and playing a lot of minutes, you got to think that they're going to be really good on offense. Um, you know, they're, they're just a lot of teams. You know, how good are the Warriors going to be on offense with Steph coming back, but, like, not as many creators? And then Boston. I can't figure out Boston. This is, like, semi-unrelated to fantasy, I guess, but I just can't figure out Boston. And maybe this ties into Jason Tatum's, like, prospects for the season's, like, I think most of us on the pod, me, Kyle, and Michael were down on Boston last year, and then they just mm-hmm. played great. And then now Kemba's out and Gordon Hayward's gone. And like, I feel like none of the expectations have changed. We're just all expecting them to be like a top five seed, make the playoffs and do well. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know if anyone wants to comment on that and just what they expect from Jason Tatum with like a bigger load, I think. Yes, yeah, this is just Jaylen going Brown. up. Go for it. Oh, you want to go in? Okay, I mean, I think. Well, none of us ever want to talk about Boston here. I mean, we're, we're not, we're not exactly Celtics fans, but I mean, I, I've got a, you know, I could say a couple things, um, in the sense that, uh, so, actually, refresh my mind. Who's going to be the the starting point guard to start the smart. season? It is good. It they are like going to put smart. Okay. That's an interesting move. I mean, like, it's not, you know, at least they're not I mean, like Teague's moving. the only other real option. Yeah, which I kind of expected Teague, but um, I could see Smart. I think they'll just that, leave him with the second unit the whole year. Like, you know, they, they're they still going to be a, like, defensive menace, um, like, on well, the well, wing. And uh, 
There was a tweet earlier today, Jalen. I think you had this. Um, oh yeah, it was it, uh, Marcus Smart, Smart. Yeah, Smart Brown Tatum. Um, somebody surprising, Green. right? Javante Green, and then Robert Williams at the five. Like that suggested as a starting lineup. I don't know if it was a preseason game or for the seat. Yeah, the preseason, yeah. I don't know. Be. I'm like, where the hell did Javante Green come yeah. from for? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think what uh, Brad Stevens said is that the four spot is going to rotate um, and that it's going to be like the three wings, a center, and then there's going to be a lot of rotation. So the fourth spot. So maybe don't be putting a lot of stock into Celtics power forwards, basically. Yeah, they're in their, guys, I mean, their center position is always a problem because they're running three guys through there, Thompson, Tyson, Williams this year. So Yeah. Are you guys fading the Celtics? Is that is that your prevailing thought here? We always fade the Celtics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we always want to. It yeah, I don't get it. doesn't mean that we always <laughs> rationally I do. I don't know what – I don't – like, they don't make sense to me. Like, I just don't – I mean, they were better last year, I think, in part because – Is like, that really had... so non, not sensible to you? I mean, like, you can also imagine a closing lineup that puts Teague, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and then Tice – and I'm like, that's a pretty good, like, shooting, moving. They can even rebound a little bit. Like, they, they could, like, that would be a functioning, and I, I don't, and I mean functioning closing lineup, as in a lineup that could put a game away, you know? And in that sense, I'm like, I don't know if, if um, you know, and, and then we're just kind of, like, waiting for Kemba to get back, right, um, too. But No, they're definitely good. That's not That's not what I'm saying. I guess what I'm saying is that, like, think about it this way. They lost Kyrie, then they got better because of like chemistry and like continuity and Jason Tatum taking a step and Jalen Brown taking a step. But now they just lost, you know, at least for the foreseeable future, Kemba's out for a while. And Kemba was one of the best pick and roll players in the game last year. Like that, that's a pretty significant loss. And then they also lost Gordon Hayward, who, what, what did he average? Like 18 points a game, something like that. He, they nearly had four 20 point scores and like two of them are just not going to be on the floor to start this. So I mean, I think they'll be fine. Like, I'm not expecting them to miss the playoffs or even. But the major thing that you're losing with Hayward is his playmaking. And I I just think that, like, Teague is a great playmaker. You know, you've now got. He's not good anymore. He's just not good anymore. He can, but he's going to be asked to do very little, you know, in terms of like. Entry pass now. Like, I. He literally got traded because he couldn't make a post entry pass. He was injured the last two years. I mean, like. He was on the the Hawks being trash. man. It's just like an entry pass. Also, can we can we just mention one last thing about the Nets? Because <laughs> I, you know, I, I totally agree with Stan that they are going to be one of the fastest teams in the NBA. And one of the reasons is going to be because they have to be. Um, Zach Lowe on the pod today was saying that he, he was like pushing the, you know, pushing the possibility that they could maybe reach 10th in defense. And I'm like, that seems absolutely impossible to me given the the present construction where i think it was you know kevin pelton's numbers were placing them at like 27th is is the projection in defense um and then the question really uh, became whether any team 
you know, even if they were the number one offense by a long shot, has been able to make it to the finals or win the finals um, with a defensive rating that had been, you know, that low or even like, say, 20th. And the numbers just didn't really seem to be there. And I imagine that, you know, Kyrie um, and, you know, particularly Kyrie um, is the one I'm thinking about here, just in, in terms of like, I think that he can come through with some more effort and, you know, he, he can get, he can get steals. Uh, you know, we know that he, you know, he can play risky, you know, on defense and in some way like recoup some of his inability to stay in front of people. But I'm like, where else do they have options that could really improve from that like projected 27th to anywhere near putting them in, you know, cause I'm thinking this in relation to Boston, Boston's just going to still have a great defense. Right. And I, and I look at those two teams and I'm like, if they faced each other in the playoffs, like who would I pick? I mean, the game slows down, you know, and you've got athletic wings who play just kind of bruising defense on, on the Celtics. And if they did face each other, which way would I be picking? And to me, it's a lot more of a toss up than what it would seem just because of my, my lack of trust in what the, the nets could put together in terms of a reliable defense. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, in that particular scenario, I would take uh, the Celtics there. Um, you know, your concerns about losing Kemba and Hayward, I think are mitigated because Smart has proven to be able to handle that that position, and his defense is great, like you said. But I think Tatum is on the cusp of being a superstar if he's not already there. Uh, and Brown has improved, and you know, I think Brad Stevens is a is, is a great coach, and he'll scheme both on the <clears throat> excuse me offensive and defensive sides. Um, you know, will be great. And you know, for me, I'm always I always fade like first teams or like first year. Uh, what's the word? I don't know, machinations, right? Like it takes time for teams to to gel and for, you know, teams to go through experiences and gain chemistry. Um, you know, so like, I think like the Nets will be good, um, but I think they're going to run into some chemistry issues and it's, it's going to take time to figure it out. But ultimately I, I agree with you. Their defense is going to be very subpar. And so last year, did you fade the Clippers in all of your fantasy drafts, et cetera? Uh, it worked out that way. And, <laughs> well, so was know, that your Laker allegiance or yeah, that's how, this that's theory? Which one yeah, is it? <laughs> maybe some, you know, emotional baggage there. I, I was off Ky- uh, Kawhi to begin with. Uh, I was off Paul George as well, just because, you know. Injuries? Uh, injury history, but, you know, you knew that, you know, they were going to sit. Right, you know, especially Kawhi, that, that was obvious, right? And they kind of intimated that that Paul George was going to miss some games too. From a macro sense, um, I did have hesitations with them. Like I thought, like they had a chance to be really, really good. But you know, it always goes back to you know the first year. Like you know, you never know. And you saw what happened with that team, right? Yeah, yeah. completely just blew up. And like yeah. all the things that are coming out now, like you know, they were like Paul George, who is this guy? You know, like. Right. Kawhi, all right, you know, he won, but Paul George is telling me and doing this. So, you know, things like that. And, you know, just the simple thing of just knowing where guys are, rotations, you know, communication. Yeah. That stuff always takes time. And, like, I saw it for many years, like, with Laker teams, too. You know, like, they would have 
you know, they would sign somebody in the off season or, you know, pick up some big superstar, you know, and you think like on paper, like they're going to be world beaters, but you know, it takes time. Like, you know, you got to take little baby steps. It didn't take too long for the Lakers though, because I, I can't remember where this piece was, but it was talking about the longest tenured player on each team. Do you know who it is for the Lakers? Any of you guys? Nope. No, I do not. Who is Kuzma. it? Kuzma. Kuzma. Wow. Three years. Three years. Top. Wow. So like, yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm curious. You, you mentioned um, in that discussion, guys sitting, uh, has your strategy, draft strategy, been informed this year by possible load management issues with the condensed schedule? Are you changing any of your approaches because of that? I thought about it, and <clears throat> I've gone kind of both ways on it. Um, one way I was kind of thinking about it was like, so, okay, so like a, a guy like Kawhi, you know that he's going to sit certain games and there's going to write. Yeah. It's kind of built in right there. A part of me is kind of like maybe his value gets elevated, right? Because yeah, players, right, are going to be sitting too. So it kind of brings his relative value is going back to up. the pack, you know? So that kind of increases his value. Interesting. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking that I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that, that may be. That's a nice take. That may be the way it goes, especially, you know, with the Lakers players or, you know, Miami Heat players, players that played a lot in the bubble, like yeah. some, and then, um, you know, but I think that big X factor this year is just COVID, right? Sure. Like, I mean, there's going to be a lot of luck in, in terms of winning both yeah. championship and fantasy, right? It's like if you can, you know, navigate that minefield. That's right. Huge. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more variability in all leagues because of that. And I think we're going to see a lot more variability in drafts this year, just because so many roles aren't entirely clear in the way, you know, in most preseasons, we have a much better idea of who the starting five is and where the minutes are going. This is so condensed. We don't have that for a lot of teams yet. So can I ask something? Because, you know, the big news today was that you know, Giannis is, is going to sign his five-year max contract. And on the surface, that wouldn't have any immediate fantasy implications or ripple effects. But as I thought about it more, I really thought that, like, there are there are some noticeable changes to take into account in someone's draft strategy. You know, immediately after Giannis signs the deal, Twitter starts trending hardened to Miami. And, you know, and, and that to me, like just pointed out, like there are like all of a sudden it did create this effect that all these teams had been saving up money for Giannis, you know, coming in free agency. And now they know that he won't be coming. And I think that it's setting the landscape for, you know, some pretty feverish trades that we could have in the first half of the season, as people are also seeing the uncertainty of COVID and all these other things that are going on. And maybe they're saying, this is our year, right? And so I'm like looking at these teams that could potentially change. And I'm wondering, are there values that we can find there? Are there players to be staying away from? You know, like the first place that I go is like, if Harden moves, and if John Wall is even, let's say, yeah. like 75% of what he used to be in the past, he could, unless there's just some run on him in drafts, you know, return really tremendous value. And like, that's just the, the start of considering like these ripple effects. Really good point, actually. Um, that's really sharp. Um, I could definitely see that definitely within the range of outcomes. I, I think my one concern about like, say like a Harden scenario 
is that if they trade him, they're looking to get like, uh, you know, another high usage guy in return. So, so say like a Ben Simmons comes back, then, you know, that kind of nukes wall, right? Or, yeah, I don't know, maybe they would have to ship wall off there. Um, I don't know, but on the flip side, so say like they go with to Brooklyn and they don't have to give up Kyrie or Katie, maybe like a Karis Avert, Spencer Dinwiddie come. So then I guess your scenario is a lot more palatable there, right? Because Wall will have the ball. Karis Avert will have high usage, but won't be as high usage as say like a, a Ben Simmons type. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, but those are good points. Yeah. yeah, no, that's really interesting. I mean, there's so many tentacles to the the Harden trade and the Wall stuff. And I mean, I just think broadly, the Rockets have some sort of like a number of buy low candidates or guys who have a lot of variability and John Wall to Marcus Cousins looks decent so far in the preseason, uh, you know, a three point shooting big. Um, I don't know how much he'll play, but obviously it looks like he'll make the team and have some kind of impact. Christian Wood is obviously on the roster. Another guy who who really like I mean, he's been relevant in fantasy and been relevant in the NBA, but we haven't really seen him do what he did at the end of last year for a full season. Um, and then, as you were saying, like, if Harden gets traded to Brooklyn, what does that do to KD and Kyrie's numbers and their usage? Um, but it's interesting. I almost feel like Wall may be more secure than we're, we're saying, just because, first of all, I don't really... I think it's less, I mean, maybe the trade happens tomorrow and this is completely wrong, but I feel like it's less likely that Ben Simmons gets traded before uh, the start of the season. And I think Ben Simmons would be the most high usage player that they would get in such a trade. I don't think there's anyone else like Michael Porter Jr., Jalen Brown, Tyler Hero, like whoever you want to go to, I think they're not going to be as high usage or as ball dominant as Ben Simmons or probably have the shooting concerns that make it necessary for Ben Simmons to have the ball in his hand. So I think Wall is probably safe. Honestly, the the real thing is if Harden is there, that's probably what's going to like damage it more than anything. Yeah, and this you know, the Sixers are up by 10 right now against the Celtics and uh, it's their first preseason game and Ben Simmons is two for two from the field plus eight in the first quarter. And uh, I, I do for the reasons that, that, you know, that you were saying stand there about the, the fit of John wall and Ben Simmons increasingly think that that trade is unlikely unless something goes wrong in yeah. Philadelphia, you know, at some point this season um, that, you know, that's just ever since that, that, Russ trade um, when you know you can't I always had the sense that they could flip Russ I don't get the sense that they could move John Wall easily again you know like it's like they got off it the one time and that this that now they're kind of stuck so there are a couple of guys we just brought up Simmons and Westbrook Um, Stan Rasball is lower on both of those guys than anybody else you want to explain yourself there? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it really depends on the format, right? Sure. <laughs> and, yeah, definitely. Uh, turnovers are a huge factor here. Yeah, turnovers are huge. Um, I think I picked up Westbrook a little bit. Um, his free throw shooting, you know, it's been inconsistent the last few years. So right. the range has been like 65 to like 75%. So, you know, there's a lot of variance there. But right. he can, you know, shoot mid-70s. Um, and especially now in Washington, he's going to be a usage monster. I mean, he can definitely you know, double threat. Um, so I don't know what numbers did you see? I, I know I boosted him up 
little... I can't. I, I didn't write down the specific numbers, but they were both, you know, fifteen yeah. to twenty spots, maybe below okay. ESPN or Yahoo, something okay. like that. And then you had a couple of guys. Uh, KP was one, and. I don't have it written down. I want to say it was Shay um, that were, you know, maybe equally 15, 20 picks above I, some of the, you know, Yahoo or ESPN. Okay. Saying. All right. So uh, let me go back to Ben Simmons first. Yeah. Like he's such a unique and weird fantasy player. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he like, he really like, oh man, you got to think about like how to fit the puzzle. Like what direction do you want to go? Right. Because he can triple double, but he's going to not provide any threes, tank your free throw percentage, you know, the turnover will be whatever, you know. So it's just very, very, very just strange and interesting build because he's a guard, but he rebounds, yeah. well and, but he doesn't shoot threes, right? So it's just weird, right? So And he gets eight rebounds. Yeah. That's you're, <laughs> you know, you kind of like have to go into, you're already punting multiple categories with him, right? Yep. Yeah, that's why I, you know I'll, he's always lower in in category leagues for me. In terms of the other two guys, who's a KP and Shea, right? Yeah, I think I think Shea was the second one. Yeah. I'm not certain, but okay. So like KP Porzingis, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Not Kevin sorry. Porter. Right? I just used no, <laughs> not Kevin Porter Jr. I was high on him until all of this happened, but yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I you know I've been getting a lot of heat for my Porzingis one, and okay. I, I have him really high, and it's because on a per game. Basically, yep. he, when he plays, he's an absolute monster. Like, you're getting threes, the blocks are elite, you know, the scoring. I mean, he's just crazy. It's just a matter of if he's going to play or not, right? right? So I bumped down his, you know, games play projection. Even with that, he just rates out so high on a per-game basis, right? right. So, you know, the thing is, is, you know, like my rankings show overall value, but it doesn't really sh- say you should draft him here, right? So Got it, yeah. You always have to factor in market price and ADP and things like that when you go into it. But when he's on the court, he's a top 20 player, top 25 yeah. player. Right? So, um, with, with Shea, I mean. Shea's in, the, Shea's in the Malcolm Brogdon situation where his usage is going to go way up, but that exactly. might seriously harm his efficiency. His efficiency might come down, but, I mean, he's so good. I mean, he's developed yeah. his step back three. Like, he's able to get to the rim at will. Um, I, I think the – Increase in counting stats is going to mitigate the the uh, the lessening in efficiency, and you know, I mean, the usage is going to be probably mid thirties. Like, there's no there, right? So, yeah. So I have another question about this. When you're looking at those guys who are high per game players, but are injury risks, or you know, there's some other reason they might not be on the court. How do you make that? you know how do you balance that out when you're drafting a team how many per game guys do you take a shot on or in what situations do you take a shot on that per game guy yeah you know it's like uh you know like our man bruce lee right you got to be like water you have to flow (laughs) every draft is its own entity you know you don't know what value falls or you know what players get picked but it all comes down to to roster construction Right. Like you obviously cannot have too many guys that are injury risk. So, you know, you just have to find that balance. Like, so, okay. If you're going to take a guy like Porzingis, you have to match him with somebody that's super rock solid. Right. And then you just kind of pair him, you know, pair him. Like you pair him with Kleba this year. Would you view that as being like like a a decent handcuff between Kleba and, and Porzingis? 
Yeah, or Powell. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Like, yeah, probably Kleber. Yeah, that's fine. You could also go DFS there as well. Um, he may play a little bit, you know, on, on the four in certain lineups. But, yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that. I think I have Kleber down for, like, 20, 24 minutes per game. Um, you know, the, the, the only issue with him is, like, it's not really, like, a apples-to-apples apples comparison. Like, so, like, for example, like, he can get you some blocks though is the biggest thing. I was thinking like no, you're gonna true. you're gonna primarily lose the three pointers, but you'll keep a pretty high field goal percentage. You can get the blocks, which are it's a stat category that's hard to come by. And so yeah. you like if you've got a guy who's gonna be getting some extra minutes because, you know, for instance, Porzingis is out, um, you know, at least that was what was factoring in. I understand it's not apples to apples. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. No, I do I do like the block and I think the puzzle those two puzzles, it, it does fit as one like entity. Um, I guess that's just a different way of handcuffing. So like, so that would be one like a complementary handcuff, like to to create a block. Another one will be like, if Kyrie Irving went down, then like Spencer Dinwiddie will come in and he'll soak up a lot of the same usage, right? Whereas Kleber won't exactly, but he will fit fill a, a different role, a different purpose, and and provide you with you know a little different on you know like category wise. One of the things that's big in our scorekeeper league is builds and almost everybody is in one build or another. Sometimes they're severe. I was basically punting four of our nine categories last year just to compete in five. Um, any thoughts about builds in general? Do you have a favorite build? Do you let your draft dictate? Sort of what's your approach with that? I'm usually not a, a punk guy. Okay. Usually I try to go balanced, but you know, sometimes just the situation warrants it. Um, like, I, I put up a piece on Raswell where I ended up, you know, punting assist for, for a particular team. And, like, I, I wasn't planning to do that, but it's just right. the third round. Because I know, like, the guard and assist run happens in, like, the fourth round-ish area. Sure. It's I, done I by top my, 50, yeah. Yeah, like, I, you know, I have to make my, my decision there, right? Like, so yep. if I want to try to, you know, strengthen my – my assist, I, I got to go hard there or, you know, I just got to punt it. So I ended up punting there and I actually was pretty happy with the way, you know, with, with the way my team turned out. So um, I'm, I'm actually comfortable punting in any, any category, really. It's just, right. I just have to make that decision and just execute it. Right. And so it's draft value and sort of where you are that's, that's making that decision rather than approaching it with that in mind. I think you can, I mean, I think you can go into a draft with that, right? Um, I think that's fine. But, you know, you just have to understand that, you know, you have to be diligent in that strategy and you have to understand that you're going to be overlooking certain value that comes your way. If you're fine with that, then right. you just, yeah, it's all or none. You got to go all in or, or, or that's it. Um, you know, me personally, you know, I like to kind of just go with the flow. But, you know, there's many paths to victory, right? Sure. Yeah, either way is fine. It's just once you make the decision, you just have to, you know, be rigid. Right. Stan, I am. I, I really want to respond to this because you know yeah. you're you're speaking to the dilemma that I have this year in right. in, a, in a really important way, and um, I, I'm weirdly I'm trying to sort of thread the needle on this. I'm trying to, like I be, I believe there's some kind of middle ground. The background on this is that. I actually had Ben Simmons, you know, we just talked about a second ago, mm -hmm. and he has that weird st st 
stat profile and he was yeah. my best value and best player in a keeper league and i fell into lebron james in a draft where he cost only that year like four dollars more than draymond green did it came in at nice. only like 44 dollars. Wow. it was it was like a crazy yeah, value great. and then i just was i kind of had these two players and they formed a tandem because their deficiencies kind of like matched up and their strengths matched up Definitely. and I and fell into Rudy this. Gobert. I yeah, and I, <laughs> and I had Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella through some trades and some things and like basically what I then ended up having was I had this really hard punt as in like I lost feel, free throw, three mm -hmm. pointer and turnovers like every week. Yeah. But I had a super resilient build where I basically won the other six categories every week. That's and all you need. Yeah. And I won the yeah. championship that yeah. year. But exactly. now my my time with Ben Simmons has come up. And <laughs> and and so like his I've watch got, has ended. And, and I've and I've got some players who I kind of like built around him who really fit best in that build now, I realize. Okay. Like or they okay. fit best together because of the linkages that they have to one another. Um but I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, do I go into the draft here now and and sort of like take a no punt approach and just kind of like then, you know, the one thing I was going to say about the what you were saying before is I've considered doing that. But then my my goal would be basically throughout the season to use the value I accumulated in the draft to make trades to solidify the build that I know is best. Um, it, and okay. or if you kind of think of that as being, you know, just too too little predictability do you do you like factor yeah. in trades or like season long like development of a team as like something that you pay attention to right i i never draft a trade that's that's one thing like i i try not to do um i i know some people can do it and like some people are probably really good at it i just think i don't know my i don't i don't know what it is whether it's my philosophy or temperament or, or whatnot um, it just doesn't work for me. Uh, yeah, like you said, just the variance of it is like, you just don't know, right? Like, if I grab this player thinking that you're going to trade it for whatever, this particular thing, you don't know what the market's going to look like, right? Like, what if he what if he goes to a team that is, uh, you know, not willing to part with that guy? For whatever reason, it fits their team perfectly, then, then what, right? Then... Right. No, yeah, like I agree. The variability is just too much for me. I just, yeah, I just don't like going into a situation like that. That's interesting. So, you know, just even hearing you there, like it really, I'm like, yeah, you got to choose the build beforehand. Um, you know, like especially because managers tend to be very hesitant to trade, just in like generals, like in you know normal yeah. league circumstances i found that like you got a couple Definitely. of like wheelers and dealers out there yeah. who aren't going to give you anything in return and then you got a lot of people who are just going to stand pat right yeah and i think um part of the reason why i wanted to bring this up is in part because of your team kyle and because of like the difference uh, the way my team was constructed whereas i felt like um, the sort of free throw punt, especially with the players that you had, obviously those are great players, was really resilient. Whereas like, um, so I was more in a sort of field goal percentage turnover punt. Um, and, you know, I was landing somewhere in the middle too often because I had players like Russell Westbrook who were also bringing down my free throw percentage, which I didn't want. Um, but yeah, I was just interested in like hearing you all talk about that because of like 
whether or not a build is resilient or whether or not a build can kind of like fall apart. Like, for example, we've had conversations about an efficiency build. Like if you have a bunch of players who are really good um, in the, the efficiency categories, but all of a sudden one of them gets injured or they have a down year and then all of a sudden you're not so good in that efficiency category anymore. So, yeah, I don't know if anyone had any comments on that. Well, the yeah, other no, thing, and yeah, go stand. No, 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 go, 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 please. Well, the, the other thing that's involved here that I think that has some bearing on the resiliency, is, and, and I would suggest that maybe the field goal punt and the free throw punt are the two most resilient punts, the, because what's left on the wire later in the season generally you're not finding a guy who has both of those percentages you're finding a guy who has one of those percentages and definitely not the other and so it's resilient because you can still find players that'll fit a kind of build in some of those situations but there are plenty of builds where you're like the efficiency build is really hard to do if you're losing players and you have to replace them later in the season that those players don't exist anymore that's a good point so it's also worth thinking about you know, punts are a way of like negatively thinking about builds as in like what stats you're willing to lose. Um, but it's also worth thinking about like the way that certain stat categories mesh with each other. You know, for instance, players that get assists often also get steals, you know, or get steals often get assists. Players that get offensive rebounds often get defensive rebounds often get blocks right so you can like oftentimes and field goal, and field goal percentage right and so there are these there are these like stat categories that come together and it's just the fact that those like offensive defensive you know or if you're just like combining them rebounds blocks and field goal percentage is just three categories that goes well together um, in a way that most stat categories tend to be paired you know, and so um, it's like, I don't know, is that is that a way that, that you've ever thought about it? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I actually and, think the, I actually think the big man punt is is the do I want to say easiest. Yeah, I guess I'll say easiest. It's probably the easiest and more most effective punt to do, like you said, because you're getting rebounds, blocks and usually field goal percentage. Right. And then, you know, all you need is two more categories. Right. right. Then, you know, you're good. But. You know, that that triumvirate is you know because they go so well together it's it's easier to find kind of going back to what you're saying michael right right, right. Um, yeah so yeah like I, i've seen it done like even in the 30-man league that we have um a guy did it and he, <laughs> it was you know five four every week right <laughs> <'Cause>, nice <laughs> nice <laughs> right so um yeah I, I think that's the easiest one to build. yeah what do you, what do you guys think I think that's the easiest because there there are a lot of those guys um, left with you know they have problematic categories but they they still fit that build so that's the. That are there any to... other triumvirates though that we're like not thinking about? I mean, free throw percentage. Actually, you could probably put free throw steals and assists. A lot of times, you can find like you know a grouping of players who can give what you if, those. Three. Well, the three the the yeah. more obvious is three. Free throws, threes, and yeah. a third category. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, usually it might be free throws, threes, and steals, right? Like those three and Could be guys, points, too, right? in there yeah. sometimes. Points. But, you know, points is very hard. Yeah, yeah, I know. I hate points. Yeah, I hate it as a category. I'd love yeah. to play in a league where you remove points. <laughs> so it's, funny, it's funny, too, because, like, the, <laughs> there's a guy in our league who has won points for, like, the last three seasons and okay. hasn't made the playoffs in any of them. Yeah. Yeah, but his team looks great if you just don't look too deep. 
That's all that matters, right? As long as you look good, you feel good, right? So. He's got his guys. It looks good. It's all right. So, <laughs> wait. So, so Kyle is the punt master here. Is, is that is that what's going on? I've just been. I've been. I run the league and have been doing fantasy basketball longer than anybody. I mean, I've been doing fantasy basketball since two thousand four, and nice. um, okay. and have been running my own league since the first one I did was in was in 2005 but that was sort of short-lived but then have been awesome. doing this league here since 2015 i think is when we started I, I, I learned about punts by accident the first year <laughs> i played because i lost three point guards uh, um uh jeremy lynn went down for the season pat beverly got hurt really badly and i can't remember who the third is but i lost three point guards in the first two weeks or maybe even the first week and i was sort of like okay i'm in a punt like i didn't even know it was a punt yet (laughs) but but all of a sudden i was in a punt without knowing it so that's that's awesome (laughs) first uh gave you the you know made made you force you to pay tuition there yeah definitely that's awesome then what are your favorite punts then the big man punt that we were talking about is my favorite, but I also really like the the um, the little man punt, the guard punt, uh, yeah, okay. just because it's fun. Like, they're more yeah, fun too. players at times, so I like that too. Yeah, my okay. punt strategy seems to be to draft the the players that I find the most exciting, which hasn't worked out in terms of a league <laughs> win yet. But uh, like the, we were talking about Lamelo, the, swag, and the I, swag punt. Yeah, the, the swag <laughs> punt. Like nice. I've got Trey Young on my team. Um, I've been talking about Lamelo for forever, and yeah, Devin I Booker. mean Steph Curry is one of my favorite players. So yeah, right, cool. you know what I was thinking about today, Jalen, which I so you. Every time that I look at Kyrie and KD in um, in Brooklyn now, I just can't help but think about them as sort of um, like really trying to get back at the other stars that they were playing with. Um, <laughs> and so I just imagine this like ideal scenario for, for, for me as a basketball fan where somehow Steph ends up on the Lakers this year and it's LeBron and Steph oh. against KD and Kyrie. Wait, what, what, like, can you Kyle? imagine the stories? Uh, you can't hate the you can't have to hate the Warriors in their KD version and then accept that in any form. Such a good story. I'm just gonna start going la 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 pretty soon if you keep talking about it. But <laughs> yeah the Lakers would come be on Stan wow. loves it. I know Stan loves it. I, I love it so much, but I hate that you're you're playing with my emotions here because now I'm <laughs> all night, you know, like instead of counting sheep, I'm just making three, three pointers. Uh, Can you imagine LeBron throwing uh, uh, cross court passes to Steph in the corner? Oh my goodness! You'd so shoot sick. like sixty percent from on catch and shoot threes. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep now, Kyle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're we're reaching the near the end of our hour. So I, uh, before we leave, Stan, I just want to give you a chance. Any last words? Any best advice, fantasy wise, league wise? You know, your years in doing all of this. Um, I love your expert takes on all of this, and and yeah, I, I want to give you that. I appreciate it. Um, you know, this has been fabulous. I had such a great time tonight. You know, thanks for inviting me on. Uh, Really awesome talking to all you guys. Um, I guess in terms of I guess, fantasy advice, value, right? Always be cognizant of a price. Um, 
don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> little you know, TLC, yeah. Yeah, All right. yeah little TLC. <laughs> I, I think really, you know, like Bruce Lee, right? Like just, you got to be, you know, just flow like water, right? Yeah. Because, you know, if you become so rigid in something, like you end up getting blinders and you'll start missing a lot of, a lot of things out there. Um, and, you know, like, uh, like, especially like, okay, so your last roster spot or two, you know, like, yeah, who cares about those guys? Like, just shoot for the moon, right? Because you're going to want those guys as a streaming spot anyways, right? Especially in daily. Right. So, like, a lot of times I see people, they draft a guy that, you know, for their last spot and they, they love the guy. And then they're not willing to drop him when somebody, because everyone comes on, the, you know, every year some guy comes out of nowhere, right? And, and is on the wire or he gets hot. Right. So these guys are just holding that guy that they drafted because they love him so much. But then, then, but the right move is they got to go and get this guy and then just keep streaming that spot, you know? So, um, right. right. No, but this, right. Was, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate it guys. Yeah. I, I love the advice there. Um, Stan Son, Razzball, one of my favorite fantasy sites, uh, great writer, great basketball mind. Very happy to have you on. And uh, thank you for letting us ask you all of these questions. No, um, anytime. This, this is awesome. Uh, that is it for this edition of Shot Tower. We are turning off the phantom power. Cheers. Run it, 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 run